This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode 207. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler, but also with Stacey Burlingabe, who is the social media manager for the Detroit Red Wings. How are you doing tonight, Stacey? I am great. How are you guys? Making it. Uh, life, it's <laughs> it's uh, winter and winter is always the best, even though it doesn't feel like winter because it's been decently mild and raining for like a week and a half. Um, but but we're making it. Ryan and Tyler, how are you guys doing? Well, I'm not too bad. It don't look like I just robbed a bank like Tyler does. He's wearing a black knit cap here. Like he just escaped from the cold, which I don't really believe it because he lives outside. He's in Boston, so you never know what he's up to over there. I'll say really quick that you you can't trust anybody wearing Michigan. So yes, oh yeah. man, Ryan's an Ohio State guy. Come oh, on, I'm a, I'm a Spartan, but that's okay. That makes sense. Um, no, I, I'm doing fine. It's just freezing cold here. And for some reason, I didn't feel like taking the hat off. So I'm wearing it. You have heat? Yes, I have heat. It was cold okay. outside. Okay. He ran in to update his computer. Yeah, that's what he did. Um, but we have Stacey on it tonight to talk because a lot of our, um, our listeners and fans and everything are on Twitter. And we have one of the best Twitter communities. I think we have the best Twitter community in all of hockey, hands down. Um, and they're fantastic. So I thought, hey, who better to get than a person who is in the social media sphere, who understands how uh, it works and who just loves talking about social media and what goes on there. But first, I kind of want to get just your background, where you came from and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, so I, um, like I said, I'm a Spartan, um, graduated from Michigan State, uh, but I've grown up, um, I've played hockey my entire life. Um, I've grown up with two older brothers who were into hockey. So kind of hockey's always been a passion of mine. And then I played through school. Um, so I kind of knew that I wanted to work in hockey. And when I was in school, like social media was just kind of becoming a, a big thing. You know, it wasn't really like people didn't have jobs in social media. So it was kind of like taboo. You had your MySpace top eight. I had, yes, MySpace. And like, gosh, I remember in, in college, like Snapchat, I just got a smartphone, I think like my junior year or senior year of college. And all my friends were Snapchatting before, like I actually had a smartphone and me and my friends would just send pictures to each other because we didn't have Snapchat and we were like, everybody else is doing this. And we felt left out. So, um, we would do that. So it's, it's crazy to see how far social media has come, but I won't get on all, all that. After college, I, um, actually got an internship in New York at the, at the headquarters, the NHL headquarters. And I did um, some kind of like player relations events, that type of thing. So I kind of got my feet wet there. Um, and after that, I fell into a couple odd jobs. I was still trying to get back into hockey and, and took me a couple of years. But then um, a couple of years later, the NHL kind of um, started this program that still goes on now. It's called, it's changed names. But when I started, it was um, the real-time correspondent program. And now it's switched to uh, live social contributor program. But what it is, is you have a couple of people hired in each market that help the home team and the away team capture social content, um, whether it be like, you know, photography, videos, whatnot. Um, so I got involved in that program. Um, I was working a full time job and doing that on the side, working home games for the wings. And um, I did that for, I think, a year and a half. And then 
um, a social coordinator position opened up with the wings and, and luckily I had gotten to know some of them. Um, so I interviewed and, and luckily, um, I got the position and I've been there five years now, five years in August. So it's crazy. That is awesome. Much, yeah. Social media has changed in my time. So it's been yeah, I kind of, I stalked you on LinkedIn a little bit uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, she has like a huge, like hockey background from like top to bottom, which is uh, really cool, which makes sense why you'd be now the social media uh, person for the Red Wings. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps. I mean, it's not, you know, make or break, but I definitely think it helps to kind of understand the game. And, and I mean, I grew up a Red Wings fan too. So I think that kind of plays into what I'm able to do and, and what I know people want to see. Um, I try to do so. So what's like your day to day? Like, what do you, from top to bottom in the morning, you wake up and you just get online or I never get offline pretty much. <laughs> um, it's crazy though. I, like I've gotten this question so many times and it's so different every day. Cause I mean, it's, whether it's a game day, or practice day or off day, you know, there's always something going on and it's always different, but, um, a game day, like we, like our team and, and I have to give a shout out to my team to start it all off because like, there's, there's a few of us, there's, my boss, Andrew, who is the director of social media. And then there's me, the manager. And then uh, we have a specific graphic designer, Michelle, who creates all of our amazing graphics that you see across all our channels. She's amazing. Um, and then Chris does a lot of our video content, um, all like the short form stuff that you see on our channels. Amazing, amazing people. Um, and they obviously make my job easier because I just a lot of times just put it out there. They make it awesome. And, and we all, you know, come up with the ideas together. Um, but day-to-day -day game days, we are there at like 9.30, 10 in the morning to cover morning skate. And we stay uh, the entire day to, through the end of the game. So we usually leave like 11 o'clock. Um, so they are long days. Um, and we're constantly just, you know, working with all the departments within our organization to make sure we're, you know, hitting everything that everybody that we need to get out on our end but also trying to do stuff that's fun and engaging for our fans um, to, and to keep people interested in the team. So honestly, every day is different. It's it's fun and exciting. It's hard. You have to, you know, really be dedicated and love what you do. But um, but yeah, we make it work. So you, LCA is your second home. LCA is probably my first home, to be honest. <laughs> I, my home is probably my second home. So so those goodnight hockey town tweets are literally you going to bed then basically, huh? Literally, every honestly, I yes, I love those tweets. Every night, um, it's like the last thing I do before bed. I usually drive home from the arena and I find a good picture and I fire it out there. I mean, no one's yelling, yelling at the uh, the handle at that point, so you can finally take some relaxation for it. That's, that's why I only do it when we win. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. Nobody that's wants to smart. hear good night from us when we lose. That's for sure. No, they've already all gone to bed when we lose anyway, so it doesn't matter. Not that's as true. many people are going to see it. I don't know. There's a lot of angry tweets being fired off at all hours of the night. So it's, it's hard enough to post the score when you lose, right? Yeah, people love to give their opinion, but. Some nights it's uh, harder to hit the send button than uh, when we do good, it's easier. So a lot of the content that's come out recently, I really loved and whoever's idea it was to smack each other with tortillas uh, with <laughs> mouths full of water uh, was one of the best ideas I've ever seen. It provided some really great gifts and the guys seem to enjoy it, but it seems like some seem to enjoy it more. That is who has the most fun with the video content who who's like and I, I assume it's Mo because he seems like a clown. Uh, but who has the most fun with the content? Yeah, Mo, Mo is a great guy. He has fun. He's hilarious too. Hilarious guy. Um, it depends on the day. Truth, truthfully, like I'm trying to think. Like obviously the younger guys, right? Like a lot of the younger guys have grown up with social media, and it's like them, like that's they're ingrained in their lives, so they're more kind of open to it. But we've had some vets that have enjoyed it too. I don't know. It's it's hard to put like a specific name on it. All. I mean, we're lucky that we have like really good guys on the team that, you know, no one is really like says no to things. People like obviously we know for certain things, we know who to go to and who to ask. Like we weren't going to ask certain people to do the tortilla challenge because we're like, OK, there's no way we're that, you know, they're going to do it. But um, so I we wanted learned. to see Michael Rasmussen get slapped with the tortilla. Yeah, he is. He is great. He's got a great personality. <laughs> so you, you, never you just know. wanted crazy eyes and tortillas. <laughs> I do. I want him to stare down the person in front of him while getting slapped with a tortilla. But <laughs> we'll see if we can make it happen for you. You can see, though, like like you said, you can see who has a lot of fun with it. 
and and of course it's going to be the younger guys because they're getting all the energy they're they're happy they're just happy to be there a lot of right. the times i think it is part of growing up with the online content they've Definitely. seen it a lot they're on tiktok they're on instagram and they're watching the videos so to be part of it and it's kind of the same for us at a at a point where we grew up with it too or in the middle of it or when it was or started with it when it started and now we are part of it and it's fun to be part of it and maybe it's the older guys who who it wasn't really a big part of their life, so they don't maybe get into it as much. But I understand why the younger guys um, would like it. Now, with Twitter, like we talk about Twitter a lot. Um, and like we said, our Twitter fan base is the best fan base in hockey. Do you run the Twitter account? Is that you 100% of the time or are there a few of you that run it? So there are two of us that are hands on on all the channels do all the, you know, posting. And then we have like the other, like I mentioned before, we have our like specific graphic designer and our, our specific um, video content producer. So. So the follow-up to that is, do you feel the love from everyone online? Uh, I mean, block out the hate, but it's, I mean, we're kind of trying to constantly be like, Hey guys, it's not the team that runs the account. Like if you yell at them, it just, it's like yelling into the void. It's not going to make oh, yeah. any difference. Like it, but I think there's enough to counteract that of people that just absolutely love the team and love the giveaways and, and the social interaction that just happens organically. Yes, we see it all. And we are so appreciative of the people that like are just nice, positive people. It goes such a long way. I think a lot of times people forget that there's people that are behind the keyboard sometimes. And like, I get it. I, I get it. Like, I know how it is to be a fan and I know how it is to be upset, but um, people can be mean online. You know, I think sometimes people forget that like you're, you're hitting send, but it's affecting somebody else. And I try to, you know, not let it affect me personally, but sometimes there are times where it's like something sent and it's like, like really, you know, but um, like you said, our, our fan base and Twitter, especially like there's such good people that outweigh the bad for us. And that's why I have like those good night hockey pounds. It's such a little thing, but the feedback that we get back on those, it's always so positive. So I love like ending the night with that because I know everybody's going to, you know, kind of say good night back and, and show the love. And, and that really is what it's all about for me. It's, you know, the, the good way outweighs the bad in my eyes. So. So would you say that's your favorite part of the job then just being able to interact with the, the fans? hundred percent. And I know I've said this multiple times, but like I was a fan before. So it's, you know, for me to be able to like be the one now that's kind of like giving the fans and, 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 and tracking them to the team and keeping them interested as much as we can. Like, that's huge for me. Like I'm, I'm, I love being that person and being a part of a team that can bring this like passion for this team to the fans. So um, definitely, definitely one of my favorite parts for sure. So a question we get a lot is, is there a playbook? Like, is there something you guys have to follow? Like, you're allowed to talk about this, but kind of stay away from this or don't be too jokey. Try to be a little bit more serious, because I feel like the teams that are those older teams, the original six teams, they tend to handle social media when when like responding to people or posting during games, they tend to handle it a bit more. I guess, professionally than a Vegas or than yeah. a couple of the other teams that throw out just a joke tweet after joke, joke tweeter. Yeah, Carolina does a lot, too. Yeah. Um, but they do it on purpose. They run off the whole jerks thing. Yeah. Um, so is there like kind of a, a guideline you guys have to follow? Yeah, I think there's I mean, not I think I know, there's a brand standard, right? Like we are an original six team. Um and we try to keep it professional, but we also like we have fun with it and we try to have fun with it in a classy way. Right. Like we have relationships with the team. Um, we're all we're constantly like working with the team and um, knowing that these guys are watching. We try to keep that in mind, knowing like, OK, is this something that we if we put this out, is this something that the guys are going to like? Or, like, are, you know, so like we definitely have a brand standard. We definitely like know. And, and Andrew and I we kind of are, are very hand in hand with, and we're always shooting ideas off of each other. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, we kind of keep in mind our brand and, and the professional side of it. And um, yeah, if that makes sense. I don't know. It's kind of hard. It to does. <laughs> no, no, that makes a lot of sense because uh, we talked about it too. So DJ Chachi, who is the DJ uh, at LCA, he did like a Reddit AMA and he was asked like, Hey, what's with all like the mu the weird music choices and stuff like that. And he said, a lot of it is what 
the guys want to hear. They're down there. They're playing the game. It's music that's going to help them as to where in the 90s it was all arena rock and stuff like that. So it's I can see that with social media, too, because, again, you're getting a lot of younger players. We're like, what, the fifth youngest team in the league right now. Mm -hmm. And those guys are on social media. They're looking at stuff. They're going to see what's posted. So I totally understand like a business not working for just the fans, but also working for its employees and putting out content that also kind of vibes with what they're doing. So that, no, it makes total sense. And Vegas is, you know, they came out like really hot onto the market, but they were a, an expansion team in a city that like, you know, it's, it's not a huge hockey market out there, I would say. Um, so they needed to do something a little different to gain attention, you know? So uh, I don't disagree. They had no background. Right. Like that's the whole thing. I don't disagree with, you know, the way that different ways that teams do it and and try to gain attention, but yeah, it's it's very different. It it goes all by markets and and the type of fan base you have. And it's just really about kind of reading and and feeling out the vibe, you know? So (laughs) we all feel the vibes we can and, and try to toe the line between, um, staying classy and being an original six team and staying true to that brand, but also having fun and knowing that, you know, the younger that we, that we get and and the fans are more ingrained in social media, you know, the different things that we, we kind of have to do. And that's like, if you look at our TikTok, um, we try to have a little more like of a different voice on TikTok versus the voice that we kind of carry on Facebook because it's an older audience. Greg's favorite is Facebook. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So, I'm an, there is a, a Red Wings fan page Facebook group. I think we have 10,700 people in it now. I'm an admin in the page. And oh, my God, the stuff that happens <laughs> there is is you, makes you want to throw your phone out a window sometimes. But there's I, I kind of try and tear out the fan base based on social media platform. And Facebook's pretty low for that group. It's good on the actual. I will say it is very good on the actual um Red Wings Facebook page. Yeah, the the conversation is there um, and it's good and people gravitate towards there. The fan page is like the Wild West. I swear to God, <laughs> some days it's really good and some days it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, but I kind of want to ask you, you mentioned TikTok. How has it been um, having to integrate just newer social platforms? Because it seems like they're popping up frequently. And I mean, TikTok's probably the latest. But I think you started out with Facebook and then Facebook, Twitter, and then Snapchat and then TikTok. So it's in yeah. Instagram. So it's like a lot to handle now. Yeah. And it's, it's like we said before, it's constantly changing. Like Instagram, when it started versus Instagram now, like the whole real side of things, it's like complete, completely different. So we're all, always like constantly trying to figure things out. TikTok was a different beast for us because it was like, I don't know if you guys spend a lot of time on TikTok, but like. You can post one thing and get like no views on it at all. And then you'll post something else. Like we posted last season, a, a random video of one of our equipment managers changing a skate blade of Nick Letty. And it has over 12 million views. It's like one of the, it's top. very interesting. Yes, it is. It's pinned at the top. If you go to our TikTok page, you'll see it. It's got like, it's crazy, but it was, it all lined up with, I'm sure some people will know, like there was this whole TikTok craze about showing like um like farmers changing the hooves on horses yeah that's how that came about with that yeah well no so that wasn't even like we didn't even like think twice about it but we posted it and then i think it kind of like because then people were commenting like you fell into the algorithm and we were like wow how did like it worked out so perfectly but it's like it's just crazy it's very the algorithm on there is very throw things at the wall and see what sticks one of the things that is hard for us is that like as a brand, we're kind of we deal with like music, like a lot of people can just go on there like I could on a personal account probably go on there and post a TikTok with a, uh, you know, a Beyonce song and want to get flagged. But if we went on there and posted a video with a Beyonce song, we would get flagged and have to take it down. So we have to really be careful, like with what we're posting and the sounds we're using. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, like. I know we've posted TikToks before that ha- that we've had to use a different sound than what would what was with the trend. And people were like, you used the wrong song. But I'm like, you don't understand that we would be fined if we. There'd be big song. problems. We don't need legal troubles uh, at this juncture. Yeah, I think that I, I agree. I, we, I made a TikTok for us and I'm lazy at posting because, again, there's just so much. My day job is marketing. I'm a marketing director, so I handle all the social media stuff uh, for the company. 
So I'm on social media all day for work. Yeah. And then I got to be on social media because I'm on it for work anyways. I run yeah. the podcast social media. Yeah, but you like it. I do. Yeah, it's he loves like it. loving the abuse. But the TikTok, TikTok is uh, it's for the kids, man. That's what it's for. And I have a hard time keeping up with it. And now you got YouTube with YouTube shorts, which is basically TikTok for YouTube. Right. And now and Facebook has reels now. <sighs> Instagram, too. Now. Yes. Well, it's the same thing with Instagram, like you mentioned, with the one random TikTok video that took off. We still have a video on there getting likes every day that we posted before, like during training camp of uh, Lucas Raymond did a drill against Dylan Larkin and really pissed him off, like kept the puck away from him like four times. And it's it's got a ton, a ton of views and it still gets like 30 a day. Yeah. Which no sense makes no yeah. sense at this I know. point. And then you yeah, we would post like something. I don't know. So like we did, we post like the tortilla challenge or whatnot, and it gets like a couple, like tens of thousands of views, but nothing close to the, you know, the 12 million views on this random video. So, well, I will boost the tortilla challenge. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The coolest trend that you guys do in a lot of the NHL teams and even like the junior teams and stuff, they'll do like, you know, the question of the day and like all the players is they're skating off the ice or they're going on the ice for warmups or, or no, sorry, like morning skate or whatever, you know, they'll answer the question. That's like the coolest thing for me because you don't really get to know the person, but like, yeah. Through some of those like short answers, you get to understand what kind of person they are, whether they're extremely boring or they're just, you know, they're out there. Totally. That and that honestly, that's one of my favorite things that we do, too, because a lot of it is like it's so organic. It's not forced. Honestly, the guys seem to have fun with it, you know, because it's not like we're not taking up a lot of their time. We're just, hey, they jump off the ice after practice. And we were like, you know, we hold up the sign and some of the guys, you know, have fun with it. Some or, you know, say their answer and walk away. But um, it's been fun. It's been one of my favorite things as well. We need them to choose their original starter Pokemon. That's what we need. A board with the original starters and they point to one and we need a tally at the end. That's what oh. we need. Because Jamal Williams created a monster. No, I, okay. I love Jamal Williams. He is amazing. And we will not talk ill of Jamal Williams. <laughs> Greg, on, on account, how many players on the wings right now you think know what Pokemon actually is? I know. No, this is a great question. And it's so funny because when my boss listens to this, his, he always says, we should do the question, Pikachu or Yoshi like that. He wants to do that question. I'm like, I don't know if these guys will like even know who these guys are. So this will be really funny when he watches it. But uh, there was one in training camp. I think it was like where you were showing them all kinds of stuff from like the nineties and like half of them didn't know what the hell they were. I'm like, Oh my God, what? Yeah, that one hurt. That was the prospect. So th those kids are like, gosh, what, born in the 2000s, early 2000s, you know, early 2000s. So, yeah, it was that was weird for me when I'm like, OK, what is a, you know, a floppy disk? And half of them are guessing like a uh, record player or whatever. One is. of them actually got it, though, which was impressive. Yeah. Hello, children. Do you know what dial up Internet is? Like, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Or two, one of them, or one of the questions we kind of thought of was like, oh, your AOL, like, screen name you know but i'm like wow a lot of these kids now might not have even had instant messenger like man i barely had instant messenger and i'm 27 so oh, yeah so okay that helps I, I grew up setting my my away status on instant messenger oh, yeah, yeah. Me too. Is, that, is that the aim thing yeah, is that yeah. What that was oh yeah, yeah, yeah i had one of those yeah, yeah. I, was, okay. I didn't do that though until we finally got our original version of cable so we the dial-up had finally seen seen pasture so I had, I had that cable and then boom, there it was. I was very serious about my buddy profile. It always had to be perfect. Yeah, mm -hmm. you had a little bio that was some My Chemical Romance lyrics or something. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. With yeah. the link to it, to your MySpace, so people would yep. get on there and you could hear what song of the day was. Good old oh, MCR. MySpace too, by the way, like we were all coding like at the age of, I don't even, you know, like 16. Yep. Yep. Get your color schemes down. For MySpace. Music embedded. <laughs> yeah, you could do HTML. Yeah, you had to code everything to get like the your background color and add a song. Like, man, I miss those skills. We a nation of programmers is what it yeah, was. was like. You guys are old. <laughs> we don't need to do any of that nowadays. No, yeah, it's less fun. Um, but we do have some fan questions. Uh, the top question we got from like six different people. Will there be more Mojo show? I knew this was coming. Um, you guys will just have to stay tuned and find out. Oh, Lord. OK, that's a yes. Um, from, from M on Twitter. Do you guys read all the comments or try to read all the comments? Um, 
we see all the comments. I will leave it at that. We see them and we hear you. And um, sometimes people should just be nicer. Yeah, but the oh, ones I agree. That are nice. We appreciate you. Yeah, that's one of the questions I had was do people do the people that think that Twitter is run by the actual team? Is that like a pet peeve? It's good. I, I feel like it's a pet peeve of every brand is that the, the Twitter is like run by the CEO or run by the actual coach or whatever, and that they're looking at it and they don't care. Yeah, I it's not even a pet peeve for me. I don't like I get it. Like I get it. I get it being an upset fan and and social media is just like a platform for everybody to go and complain. But to me, it's just like, why waste your energy? Just like be positive. And I know that's so cliche, but like it just I mean, what does it do? You know, like leaving a negative comment on a on, on a tweet. Like, what does that do? Log off and enjoy life. That's if, if we yeah. lose, just log off and enjoy life. That's all. Yeah. ESPN Plus, watch another game. There's a million on. Or like, oh, we'll get them next time. Like, it's it's fun. Like, we get to, like, I don't know. Hockey's fun, you know? Like, this it's a sport. It's supposed so. to be, at least. Yeah. Do you guys see all the memes and stuff that come out? The edits people make, the funny memes that people oh, yeah. like to post? Okay. Oh, yeah. What's, um what, Helmeroids? <laughs> yeah. Sarah... <laughs> Oh, yeah. is our favorite. She is amazing. Um, yeah, her oh content God. is gold uh, and, and we love her. Do you, do you have like a group chat with the Tigers Twitter admins over there? Or, or do you run that too? No, but I okay. I, I figured and I'd yeah. clear that one. Actually, yeah. you guys have like a group chat when when Sarah, a.k.a. Helmeroids is tossing her stuff around because I feel like she just hammers you guys in the best of ways. Oh, it's it's great. Like every time I post a picture or like anything, I'm like, oh, this is like, she's going to turn this into a meme, like for sure. And she's great. She's amazing. She's great at what she does. So props to her. You just have to have a countdown when you post a picture of when someone's going to tag her to let her know that there's a new meme content. Going. I was going to say, yeah, if she doesn't get it out, like there's somebody that's tagging her like, hey, you have to make this into a meme. Uh, from Emily, what has been your favorite question or bit that you guys have done? Favorite question or bit, like just favorite piece of content that we put out. Yeah. Um, the Mojo Show has been up there. That was definitely a fun one. Um, gosh, I don't even know. I, a lot, like a lot of it. I don't have anything specific. Like a lot of things that we get to do with the guys are just when the guys are are into it and having fun with it. I I'm having fun with it. You know what I mean? We did a couple interviews a couple years ago. I think it was like pre-COVID. Um, and it was like the Mojo show and it's kind of what the Mojo show was kind of born out of because we were just planning to have like Mo and Joe sit down and like interview each other. And then it just kind of turned into the Mojo show. Um, but we did that with a few guys years ago, I think like Tyler Bertuzzi and Robbie Fabry, when we first traded for fabs, we like put them in, like he interviewed Tyler Bertuzzi and they were just like cracking up the whole time. It was just, just stuff like that. You know, when you guys, you, when you get to actually see the guys' personalities and like they are just organic with it and it's not forced. Like, I love that stuff. So I think that the and what we need more of is like the beginning of the Mojo show where Lucas came in and oh, yeah. he's like, you have to do the intro. It's your show. If I do it, it'll be fucked. And it was the greatest thing ever. And they're like, kids are watching this. And then he says <laughs> it again. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the content that just like, again, we turn it into sound bites, We turn it into memes. We use it in uh, gifs and stuff. And it's just that because it's the kids being funny and they don't know uh, what they're doing, but the bloopers are the best part. A hundred percent. And that's like a hundred percent like them. You know, like when we first did it, like we kind of would we had questions and we would coach it, coach them through it a little bit. But like, all, yeah, all those like funny bits, like. All of them. They are just they're funny guys. <laughs> so that's usually you in the background that we can hear talking to them. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a if it's a girl's voice, probably. <laughs> She's coaching. She's coaching them along. <laughs> <laughs> I try to. I always tell her like everybody always say, oh, no, it makes it funny when you like leave the background voices in it. You know, it kind of brings it makes it feel more real. And I'm always like, I hate my voice. But. It's like an office, the office aspect right there. Yeah, yeah. They always uh, they always win. So I'm always in there. So you've seen the pictures. I do yeah. edits on Twitter. I try and do movie posters uh, whenever we have a game. So I sent you a few. What are your top two? I think if I remember right, you did the Christmas vacation one. Yes. With loving Bergeron looking lovingly at Dylan Larkin. Yes, that one was good. And always sunny. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think we're my top two. Lucas Raymond as Frank is one of the most disturbing things I think I've ever made in my entire life. 
Um, it just fits so perfectly because of the look on Raymond's face is hilarious. Yes, those are you're very talented. Thank you. I mean, we're going to keep doing them because they're fun and people enjoy them, just like Sarah does her memes. I like doing the edits because I like kind of matching the who we're playing against, try to pick a movie poster that relates to the other team and then put our people in it. Are so, you a big Always Sunny guy? Uh, Always Sunny is very, very funny. Yes, it is a very funny show. The last year we won in Philly and our, our um, Chris, our video producer, always does like little like win, you know, recap, fun little yeah. recap ones. And he did one that was like based on the Always Sunny theme. I don't know if you saw it, but it was really, really clever. I'll have to go back and look for it. I, I'm good at Twitter search, so I'll go yeah, back yeah, and take a look. Yeah, don't find it. It's, it, was, it was a good one for sure. But Stacey, we loved having you on. I know you have a, a baby that most likely needs attending to, but I want to let you, if you have anything coming up or anything that you would like to plug or where people can find you, um, no, I'm just going to plug, uh, follow if you, if you don't, I mean, if you're watching this, I would hope you follow us, but if you don't follow us on, um, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, everything, um, Detroit Red Wings and, um, yeah, keep the positive vibes coming. Um, we have, I don't even know how many 40 some games left. So it's going to, it's going to be fun and strap in. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on. We loved having you. We'd love to have you back uh, whenever you want to come on. And it was uh, it's a lot of fun. Thank you awesome. for doing what you do. And thank you for just trying to bring everyone together um, and keeping things positive with our community, keeping us updated and, and giving us a lot of fun content to follow. No, I appreciate it. And thank you guys as well. You guys do an amazing job. So appreciate awesome. it. And um, yeah, hope to talk soon. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks. Much appreciated. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? And I guess it's too bad that the refs jobbed the Lions because they could make a ton more money if the Lions were in the playoffs. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL game and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Once again, I would love to thank Stacy for coming on. Uh, great interview. And and Twitter, the Twitter crowd is going to absolutely love it. It's going to be fantastic for them. Absolutely. Without a doubt that I feel like you have it rough. That's got to take it to a whole new level. Like you being you, Greg. Sorry. What do you what do you mean? Like with like my, just just with the I mean, granted, yes, it's a podcast It's forward facing like it is fan. It's fan driven. That's why we're here because people want to talk hockey and you're pretty much a punching bag for that. Kind of like which what's the Red Wings Twitter is. but. It seems like it's probably taken to a whole different level because they have, what, 1.2 million Twitter followers? Yeah, it's a lot of people. Like, man. No, it's a lot of, you, you take, like she said, you take the good with the bad. You let the good outweigh the bad. You don't pay as much attention to the bad, even though the bad sucks, like the people. Keyboard warriors are absolutely terrible. Um, you've got you to learn. Everywhere. you got to learn to ignore it, brush it off, and just focus more on the good stuff because there is more good stuff and the good stuff is far, far, far more genuine than the bad stuff is. And I think that's kind of what I look at is, is when I post something and the reaction it gets like I had a huge, I had a bunch of conversations today because I posted a couple thought provoking things. Like if we were to trade with Ken Holland and, and Ken Holland wanted Philip Peronic, what would the package look like? And we had a ton of discussions. I got in one fight and that's it. And the fight was necessary because it was a person bad-mouthing Dylan Larkin. And I will not have that, especially this year. How does that come into the conversation when you're talking it, about... Those people are fucking I, idiots. It, it was that Dylan Larkin, and I. it was about his contract, and if they were going to give him $9 million, he would have already signed by now, and he's not worth $9 million because he's only going to... He's on pace for only 75 points this season. And they went on and on about how you get basically came down to you should only get paid based on your point production, which is the dumbest thing ever. And then they went down the whole Larkin's not a one C thing. And that's also doesn't make any sense. So whatever it, it ended with. I posted charts like uh, comparing him to Matt Barzal because Larkin over the left past three years has been better than Matt Barzal. It's clear as day. You can watch them play. And he goes, here you go with more charts. Have a nice day. 
So it's like people that don't believe in numbers or statistics and they just block it out. Plus his like Twitter handle was about Bedard, which basically means that he's on every season is on team tank, which to me this season makes absolutely no sense. But that's besides the point because the Red Wings won a game, guys. The Red Wings won a game against a good team against a good team. Now, granted, it was seven to five. Uh, and the Red Wings did not control puck, mainly because that entire like what was it the second period? They just could not do anything. Um, they it, they had a Corsi four of thirty point four percent and a Fenwick four of thirty percent, and those are not good numbers. But they won seven to five because Moritz Sider is an absolute beast. No, they I, I'm. Of course, of all the games that I've had to recently miss, I caught all of but like the final four minutes. And then I caught some of the replay today on on Valley Sports. But from everything I saw highlight wise, like he had what four assists last night, tied a team record. Yep. With Mike Green. Beautiful. And he was so aggressive. I mean, I feel like Wallman, we've kind of hit this already the last couple of weeks, has ignited him in a way that we saw from last season. Like he seems like he's more comfortable in his skin again out there, whether it's in the offensive zone or the defensive zone. Now, there's still some things defensively that I would like more out of him. But again, he's, you know, 21 years old. It'll come around. I'm not too worried about that. But he's now reengaging himself offensively, it seems like. And he's not worried about getting caught or what have you, because Walman's skating ability, we loved it last year. I feel like it's gotten better, which is actually quite incredible because he is friggin flying all over the ice right now and it's creating so much opportunity and on several of those goals that cider had an assist on is doing large part to that i think it goes the other way too like you said that mo is like wallman is is giving mo that energy i think mo is letting wallman also improve his game with wallman knowing that if he has the opportunity to pinch up and to join the offensive rush that Mo being back there is not a defensive liability. So I think it's the other, it it goes both ways that way. And it's been awesome to see what Wallman's done because he scored again. Like the dude's been unreal. And my worry now is that people are going, I just made for M, I made her a Wallman background for her phone. And I feel like it's the curse of M's phone is I made her a Darren Helm one and Darren Helm's gone. I made her a Verona one and the Verona thing happened. I just made her a Jake Wallman one and Jake Wallman. I, I think I, I misspoke on the last episode saying that Wallman was on a two year contract. He is a free agent at the end of the season. And with what he's doing now, I would love to keep Jake Wallman. The problem I see, though, is that you have a Simon Edvinson coming up. You have an Albert Johansson coming up. And those are two guys on the left side and Wallman's a lefty and you can only we carry so many Ben Sherratt. and you can't get rid of him and you're not going to try to get rid of him. And that's that's my worry now is you've got guys in Olimata who's playing very well, who could very well be playing himself out. By the way, I'll start taking my victory lap now. I'm being right about Ben Sherratt. I don't know. Ben Sherratt last I game hate watching him play hockey. Sure. I, I understand where you're coming from on it because defensively he is not good, but I I know why he's Eiserman not good offensively up. either. He's contributed. Ben Sherratt has contributed offensively. Okay. But like in terms of, of like a big burly defense, I guess he is kind of good offensively, but you would think he would be like a shutdown D uh, defenseman like Mata. And he's just not. And then uh, on top of it all, he turns the puck over a lot. I was hoping that Ben Sherratt, now he has done it to his credit, but I was hoping he would come in and just be a lot more physical. And he has done it on nights, but there are nights where Ben Sherratt's just out there looking lost. And I think if he looked lost, but also just knocked people on their asses, it'd be a little more impactful. And that just hasn't been the case. But again, I feel like some guys are going to start playing their way to a trade or have played their way to a trade, which is in in some respects good for us because we get pieces out of uh, pieces that we picked up. We up our value. We the return on what we paid for them is greater. But I 
I'm liking what they're doing and how they're affecting the team. Like, I think if you trade an Olimata, you're not go down the stretch, are not going to perform as well. And you're going to continue to drop. Same with a Jake Wallman, because you don't know yet what Simon Edmondson is ready to do at an NHL level. And you don't know yet what Albert Johansson is ready to do at the NHL level. And you've got to assume that those are the next two call-ups if you trade those guys. So that's my worry right now. Um, but but to your, your point, Ryan, Wallman and Cider is the pair that it should have been since the end of last season. And it's been fantastic. Well, I mean, we did lose him for several months. So that didn't help, obviously. But it's, it, I mean, what, all we can do is play the what if game for if, if we had a, half these guys healthy at the start of the season, or we did have that start healthy, but if they would have stayed healthy, I should say, preface that way. Like, how does this defense change? I mean, at, with, with that being the case and Walman being in the lineup, do we see that emergence of Mata and Hironic at the start of the year? We may, we may not have had that offensive explosion. Now, I'm not going to say, because we've, we've seen it from Hronik the last several years, so I doubt that he would have been affected in such a, a way, but I don't think we would have necessarily seen that coming out of Mata. So it, it's like almost a double-edged sword. Now, it's not to say that it hasn't it wasn't there, even if Wallman was there, but I don't think that we're having the same like conversation, per se, at this point than what we were, because Shrott early on, we thought it was a decent pairing, and he's just kind of like, there at this point, which is the frustrating part. And uh, Tyler, to your point, you could argue that that's what most people have seen up until this point of his career. Like it, it blows my mind that he was traded for a first round pick last season, which that is utterly hilarious. That's almost criminal, but it's, it's, it's also, he's not the worst thing that we've had on the ice this season. And I, and to me, that's the, the, the silver lining to it. He had the most ice time out of all skaters in that game against Winnipeg. 23 minutes and 16 seconds for Ben Sherratt. Mo came in second at 23-11. So it's, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what to say about that or what, why that has happened. But they, they trust him. They put trust in him and they're throwing him out there for a reason. Now that reason I don't know, but they're doing it. And in the Winnipeg game, yeah, they scored five goals against you, but your team scored seven and you won. Did you see uh, Coach Lone's comments after the game, though? Which one? The one he said that was probably one of their worst games of the year. He's like, I don't want to take away from the win, but that game sucked, basically. Yeah, it was not great. And Billy Huso, uh, five goals on 37 shots and it's an 86-5 save percentage. And his save percentage has been going steadily down as the season progresses as well. How bad is our conversation about one of the best tandem goaltenders in hockey look right now? I'm just going to pretend that didn't exist. That uh, conversation never happened, Ryan. I can delete it from the records if you would like. The team D, yeah, that might be a good idea to delete that episode entirely. That's like the uh, the the infamous Ken Holland trade that we don't ever bring up on this podcast. You mean like the that. one why, why, where why, we why? got Kyle Quincy for a first round pick and uh, that turned into Vasilevsky? That uh, one. Ryan's it. favorite trade of all time. I said time? we don't mention that on the podcast and then you brought it up. So You literally just brought it up. I said all, all I said was like the trade that we don't mention on this podcast. That's all I said. And then Greg took it, took over. Okay, you know that if you say that, that I am going to actually list out the trade, right? You do that on purpose so that I I will say that. But the last person I wanted to talk about for that game, Robbie Fabry, man, Robbie Fabry, since coming back from major injury, that's like a big injury and a huge recovery. Robbie Fabry has had some of the most energy on the ice. He has been trying to flatten people. He's been flying for the puck. He score, he's scoring. Like, Robbie Fabry has come out with a renewed sense of... Flying. I'm going to beat everyone's ass. That's what it is. And he's... I mean, he knows he has to do it because he has to earn his spot back in the lineup. And he has more than done that. And with the depth now, and I think that's what the Winnipeg game showed, is that with a team that's getting healthy, and Tyler Bertuzzi was decently effective in that game as well is that when you can have a third line that's got Robbie Fabry on it you're 
you're doing something right. And I think we said from last season that at the end of the day, if Robbie Fabry is a third line player on your team, you're in a really good spot because he is a very talented player. He's a high, like we, like I said, a high energy player, an offensive style player that is a, could be on other teams or on good teams, a top six guy. You could flex him into the top six, but on a, a playoff contending team, or a Stanley Cup contending team, he should be on your third line. And that's, I think, the point that we're getting to. Um, plus, having Beargren shift up in the top six on the second line, one of the smartest decisions Beautiful. ever. And we uh, went back and forth. Daniela just put a dude on blast because he's like, putting Kubelik on the fourth line and Berggren on the second line or Beargren on the second line makes no sense because what has he done to earn those minutes? I'm like, also only scored. Beard only be one of the best rookies in the league this season with the limited and amount of play dried up and Kubelik has cooled. I wouldn't say dried off. He cooled, he cooled down a bit. He's still looked good and he's had his chances and he's scored recently. Berggren has made every single effort to do as much as possible to, to just flat out go out there and destroy the game to be the best player he can be. And it shows every single night what he's doing because when he doesn't have the puck on his stick, he's hunting it down. He's playing a defensive game. He's going to the corners and he's picking them out. And for a guy who's not that big, he's not. He is steady on his feet. He is tenacious in the corner. He has incredible IQ to get the puck to an open player or to an open area of ice. And he's got the hands to score. So like I said before, not having him in the top six is probably a crime. He's in the top six now. And what he was able to do with fourth line minutes, just what he what he can do and his potential to do with those top six is, I think, immeasurable at this point. And and again, he's not going back to Grand Rapids. It's just it's not going to happen because of the impact he's had on this team. Yeah, he's been fantastic. I mean, every, every night he, he's out there on the ice, he's noticeable. There's never a shift that he takes that he seems to take off. And he makes everybody around him better, too, because he's good at passing the puck and he's good at finishing when he gets his opportunities to score. So he's been a, I don't want to call him a surprise because, you know, we, we all knew that he could become this kind of player. But, um, you know, did we think it would be this soon? Probably not. But I'm, I'm glad that it, it, it has come at this point. I think it's not necessarily a surprise. I, in a way, it's almost what took so long. But granted, you can go back to the roster and how things looked at the start of the season. So I get it. There are guys being paid to be here, and that's why they're on this team. Like an Adam Ernie, for instance. I know he's now officially basically the odd man out with all these guys getting healthy and how things are going. I mean, other than like Soderblom, who we saw be the expendable because you can be sent down. So sorry, but you're going back to Grand Rapids. And he's having a good game tonight from what I saw. He got in a fight. Got in a scrap. Yep. And Berggren's in the same point, but he's taken it and run with it. We saw this all last season uh, in Grand Rapids, and it's like he took that and was like, you know what, that I'm going to be even better. And he is. And I think that's why you're seeing him. His minutes are going up. I feel like late game, the next big thing I, I see for him is in those final five minutes, if this team is trailing or tied, you're going to start seeing him on the ice more. And that's going to be when we know he has truly won over this coaching staff because I've, I've called it out a couple of times at, at this point where I felt like he should have been out there over St. Andrew Cop just for how things have gone of late. And I think that Though he's Kopp almost Cop has also now. been really good lately. I know, he's but I, I feel like he's sure. going to be to the point where he's going to be passing a guy like Cop. I get Cop, Cop and Larkin are going to be your go-to for centerman. But if you got Fabry out there, you have Fabry and Larkin for sentiment, you're good. Now you put your playmakers on the ice and make shit happen. And he has gotten special teams play. And, and you're right. When he's out there in those situations where the game is on the line is how you know that he's got the trust. But Lalone was also asked today because he had mentioned previously, like, what do you need to see out of out of Berggren? And he's like, consistency. We know what he can do. We see what he can do. We need him to go out every single game and do it. And then he was asked again today. I think it was at this morning's practice. Like you had mentioned that you need to see consistency. Are you seeing like, has he done like what you need to to see? And his simple answer was yes. Like he's doing it every game. It's that being consistent night in and night out, bringing the same energy and the same play. Kind of like it's it's what you see from Dylan Larkin. 
you see that on a night in and night out basis, Dylan Larkin is 100% motor, 100% of the time, whether he's injured or not, he's bringing his game. And I feel like Berggren has that same, he's one of the few guys that has that same kind of energy. Every single night, he brings that same style game to the rink. And I think if Robbie Fabry continues to do what he's doing is, again, that same style guy who can come in every single night and you know what you're going to get from that player. And that's what you need on a team that's looking to make the playoffs. And it's what you need for a team that's looking to set their identity over the next several years. And we've been waiting a long time for Johnny Burgers to make his NHL debut. We've been very excited over him watching what he's done in the SHL and in Europe and Team Sweden. Especially after his major injuries. Yeah, plural there. So to see what he's done the last year and a half, really, between Grand Rapids and here is huge. And it's what they need. I'm going to keep calling him a Zetterberg light because the playmaking that he is doing, the passes that he makes, and just his overall IQ. Because when he's on the ice, it's he is one of those guys right now that are making people around him better. We've seen it on the fourth line. We're seeing it on the top line. And that is huge. And that is what this team desperately needs. Yeah, I think I think Bergeron has been, you know, like I said, he's been fantastic. I, I just want to go back to Fabry for a second. I mean, he's played, what, two games now? And he's been effective in both of them. Um, and the Toronto game, he didn't play. And you could you could just see how different the team was offensively and on the four check and everything else. So he's a legit he's, spark to them right now. He is a spark. And and you know what? I, I do like him. I will just kind of go back to what you said, though. You said you like him in the middle. I like him better on the wing. I think he's much more of a No, winger. I didn't mean I, I want him in the middle. He's got the ability. So if you've got him and Larkin out there in a late game situation, I see that can be your secondary center if absolutely need be. That's what that's what I meant by that. I see what you're saying. And, uh, you know, on a side note, that tip was ridiculous that he scored last night. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. If you and I said getting healthy is a wonderful thing. It's it's great to see, because I think if you had a healthy team from the beginning of the season, now one Berggren might not be here right now if you had a healthy team throughout the entire season. But. I think that the team that's on the ice now and you're going to probably get back as a Dean and we'll see what happens there is a team that can win if they play good defense, which they didn't do against Winnipeg. But if they play good defense, I think it's a team that can win. And that's what we're looking for, or at least a team that can can compete every night, because we said that's what the goal was from the beginning of the season was competing every night and bringing your best, most consistent game and becoming a, a consistent team and rebuilding that culture. And I think that's what a team like we saw against Winnipeg or that that roster, granted the defense was bad, can do. And that's, I think, what we definitely need to see more of. See, here's what I'm, I'm stuck with, though. I mean, we've got the players that aren't executing, meaning our defense, our actual defensemen, or is it the team system is just something's not clicking with these guys? Is it a little bit of both or... Are we so worried about executing a play style that they're forgetting that, hey, I've got the talent to go make a play other than just having to be in this spot? I think the biggest issue to me watching the games is there's too many missed assignments. And that just goes back to I don't care about what um, philosophy you have. You have to. I see guys like Mo Sider missing assignments. That can't happen. I know he's a young player, but. You know, this goes back to you playing peewee hockey or, you know, midget hockey or whatever, where you you can't leave a guy in front of the net wide open to tip the puck on the power play. You can't leave a guy on the back door. They're going to score. That's how it works. Well, well, that's what I'm talking about, especially on, on a PK. Like, are these guys so worried about being in a certain spot that they're just completely abandoning someone to try to be not get yelled at or something? That could certainly be it. Because again, like I said, it's all about missed assignments. It's all about giving up two on ones and three on twos. And I'm not talking about two on one and three on two odd man rushes. I'm talking about two on ones down below the goal line where you have one defenseman and there's someone on the back door. Uh, they give up a lot of chances that I feel like that's the biggest thing that that the wings have uh, that I don't know how you correct it, but they give up a lot of scoring opportunities. It seems like even that Winnipeg game last night, like Winnipeg had a lot of shots. They had a lot of quality scoring opportunities. It felt like. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. And again, it'll tighten up. And, and we had said that guys like Mo and guys like Lucas, 
they started the season off slow. And I don't think Ben Sherratt helped Mo at all. And we see that with Wallman, what Mo is, is can do. And I think not quite as much of a boat anchor as DeKaiser, but Mo had to be especially careful defensively when he was paired with Sherratt, which kind of tightened him down a little bit. And Lucas has heaten up recently. He's become very good, but it's still they started off in that kind of sophomore slump, which happens to second year players because other teams study them, especially guys like Mo, who was the best rookie in the league last season. They study them extra hard and they figure out what they do and they figure out how to counteract it. It's how the player reacts to that that matters. And it's Mo just figuring out what he now can get away with, what he can't get away with, what areas he needs to work on. And he talked about it uh, with Daniela and Art earlier. Um, they they released an episode this morning of Word on Woodward. And he did the same thing. So they asked him about his production. And, and he said he's working to, to basically do a consistent game every night and just working on his day-to-day. And that's what he's got to do. He's got to lock it down and know now in year two, what can I get away with and what do I need to work on? And once he's got that figured out, you can generally see consistency start in year three. And that's it's perfectly fine. I think a lot of people tend to forget that this is Mo Sider's second NHL season. We know that it, it seemed, yeah, he won the Calder. We have, there was, the expectation went up a lot. But at the same time, there's no reason to be thinking that he is the, he's the a 10 year Nick Lidstrom right now. That's not fair. It, it let him, things are going to happen where we're going to be like, what the hell are you doing? But that also happens with guys like Dylan Larkin, who's been in the league for several years now. I think because of the accolades that he pulled in last season, that it's, it's taken to a different level. And it's something that, I mean, shit, when was the last time the wings had a Calder winner? Was it 60 years ago? Something a very, like very, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, Ryan. Yeah. So, I mean, you see where I'm going with this, though. Like they it's something we haven't tasted in two generations of hockey fans. Almost like like we said earlier, the move to Wallman was probably the best thing that the the coaching staff could have done. Maybe it could have happened quicker. Maybe they're just letting Wallman get his feet under him and to get comfortable again after missing all that time. But he needed the infusion. It looks like he we're seeing Mo play with speed that we only saw glimpses of last season in terms of, especially offensively. When these guys get moving, and we've said this a lot over the last year and a half, two years, really, this team can play fast. And when they're playing fast, they're hard to beat. You can say that again for most teams, but when the other team that they're playing controls the pace, they struggle, meaning they slow the game down and don't let Detroit start getting free and start skating. When they do that, we see uh, the night that Mo had last night. Now, granted, it's a four-assist night. It's a record night. Not going to happen all the time. But we see that puck movement. We see things happening in terms of offensive creativity that we don't typically see night to night. So it's refreshing. What do you think the biggest issue is, too? Because watching that Toronto game, they couldn't they couldn't score. They, they really didn't generate a whole lot of scoring opportunities. And I've watched a lot of games this year. I... I will be honest. Personally, I've I've gone through a lot of personal stuff, which is why I haven't been on the podcast as much uh, recently. But I, I will be, you know, going forward and everything. But I haven't been able to watch every single game from start to finish. But I've watched the highlights and I've looked at stats and you know I've I've watched as many as I can. Uh, but it feels like the, there's a lot of games where they kind of lull themselves to sleep and don't score goals. And I I, I always they're they're not getting to the hard areas. It feels like. Like, like in that Toronto game, they had a lot of shots from the outside, a lot of one and done, and Toronto was going back the other way. Like, wh- what can they do to su- start sustaining some zone time and, and some offense, really? Because I think the offense is the biggest issue right now. In a way, I, mean, I kind of want to lean back on what I was talking about defensively. Are, are they so worried about executing this new system that, like you said, they lull themselves to sleep? Are they wanting to make sure that they're doing things the way that they're adjusting to, if you will? I mean, I grant, yes, I get it. We're almost halfway through the season. You would think that they have a, a true comfort level with all of the things that Lalone has changed up for them. But at the same time, you're like, maybe not. Maybe they're still trying to figure out how they want to do this. And sometimes it's they carry the puck too long, trying to wait for that guy to make a cut that they're waiting on that was drawn up on the playboard. And in some of the more recent games, it's 
getting guys back into the lineup, figuring out where they fit, figuring out chemistry yet again. And it's going to keep happening like that because you've got guys like Bertuzzi who haven't been in in a very long time that are jumping back in. And you've got Fabry who hasn't been in in a very long time jumping back in. And it's it's continuously just folding these guys back in, seeing where the chemistry is and going from there. So it's going to be rough getting back up to speed with guys coming back in because they haven't played for so long. I think I think that's you're right with that. And, and you know, they, they really haven't had. I hate to say this, like they really haven't had a full roster all year long. Not that most teams do, but you at least get a point in time in your season where you have almost everyone healthier or, you know, you know, 92% of, you know, your players healthy. Maybe you have one or two guys out, but like it's just a 92%. That's very specific. I was trying to think of something, you know, (laughs) that wasn't quite a hundred, but like, you know, somewhere in the nineties, whatever. Um, But like, it feels like they haven't even gotten to 80% really. I mean, like it's it's kind of a revolving door on the shelf there. So I don't know that I, I feel like that's part of the issue too, but I don't know if it's the system offensively that doesn't allow them. Cause like the power, even the power play, we could talk about that too. The power play looks like absolute garbage. Oh yeah. We'll talk about that next week. We, we could do a three hour episode on how special teams has been not great. That's where we're going to wrap tonight. I want to actually end by saying congratulations, Dylan Larkin. You're the Detroit Red Wings all-star. You can also go fill out a form on the website and just vote a bunch of other Red Wings as all-stars too. Um, I think you can do three for each uh, conference. So yeah, go ahead and do that. I think David Perron should be an all-star because he's been fantastic this season. But I want to get your guys' final thoughts before we sign off. I'm going to start with Ryan. No, final thoughts. I mean... I, I hope that with some of these guys, we got Burt back, we got Fabry back. I hope that that can bring some excitement to the offense again because they need it. Like Tyler, you just we just touched on it there in terms of they they just kind of fall asleep. It seems like for to put it simply, that Toronto game was one of the most boring games I've watched in a long time. Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, if that happens, like that's huge because Burt, we don't know what's going to happen there. He's in that contract year. People want to trade him. I think that ship has kind of sailed in terms of what value you can get unless he absolutely goes off between now and March 3rd or 4th, whatever day it is. They they need that spark. Fabry's been a spark. Wallman's been a spark defensively. Now can these things come together to help really push them forward and get them back into a little bit of contention? Is it too late? Possibly. They could still crank out some wins here and go on a little streak and that could have maybe turn the tides a little bit, but they got an uphill battle and they hit that wall that we were hoping they wouldn't necessarily hit in December, but the injuries I think took over a little bit too much. So we'll just have to wait and see. But other than that, already Ryan 33. Yeah. And even that wall that they hit, I mean, they still lost some games in overtime and still get some points. So, I mean, they're, I don't want to say out of it, but, but they're certainly, they're certainly right kind of in the mix still. Um, It would probably take a little bit um, of a, pretty high effort to to get to the playoffs at this point, but it doesn't matter. All I said, if they're playing important games in March and April, that's all you can ask for this year. And hopefully they can get to that point. You know, I know they have some tough games coming up, but they also have some layups in Arizona and Columbus and some teams that that they should beat Montreal, another one. So Philadelphia. So they, the, the schedule eases up just a little bit. So I don't know. I mean, you can, especially with getting guys back healthy. I mean, can you beat a Toronto? Can you beat a Colorado and a Vegas? I mean, that's, that's kind of where it really, where you really take that next step forward. So they beat a Winnipeg, they've beaten a Tampa. So exactly. They can beat these teams, but how close can they keep it? The, the biggest thing is, is, is being competitive and not letting the games get away from you when it's consistently. Exactly. Consistently. So consistency is key. But my final thoughts are, you know, the season is kind of hanging in the balance at this point. They can get themselves back into it with some games won here. And, um, you know, with everybody healthy, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you. You know, now that there's a lot of uh, sports kind of winding down to an end, college football is over now. You get a lot of attention from people. Now the Lions season's over. Um, big win by them beating Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Fuck you, Packers. <laughs> um, but 
no, um, you know, they, they're going to get everybody's attention now between now until opening day. So they'll have everyone's attention. So they need to um, string together some wins and see what happens. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. My final thoughts are once again going to be thanking Stacy for coming on tonight and just taking her time to talk with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. Follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. I'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter for hosting us and spreading our podcast around. We also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you can go check us out on YouTube and sub to our channel, Grindline Podcast. We post all our podcasts there in case you want to see the interview and view our lovely faces. You can do it there. Uh, we also like to give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape, where if you use the promo code Grindline, you get 10% off your order. And if you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. You can also find our merch on redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. I had a Jamal Williams shirt go up. His quote, uh, don't let these tears fool you. Uh, it's all dog in this mug is uh, now on a shirt. You can go buy it on Redbubble. It is amazing. I've got another shirt that I really like. Uh, that I made, but I don't want to put it up yet because it actually uses him and I would like to get his approval first. Um, but he does an amazing Naruto run and I made it into a sweet shirt and uh, I'll show you guys once we hop off. Um, but that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>